Welcome to the latest episode of the Religion Prof Podcast. I'm delighted to have as my guest today, uh, the Reverend Matt Kelly. Uh, Matt and I go way back to when he was a student at Butler University, but he's been doing lots of interesting things lately, including uh, putting together a book that is very timely, uh, not in the sense that it has to do with uh, politics or the coronavirus, but in the sense that it is about uh, fathering and brings a range of interesting perspectives together uh, in the form of uh, stories and personal anecdotes and even work some comics in there. So Matt, thank you for joining me. Thank you for putting this book together. Uh, glad to have the chance to talk with you about it. Thank you, James. It's an honor to be on your podcast today. So let me get one question out of the way right off the bat. Mm -hmm. uh, saw that in addition to you, Brian Anderson, uh, which was also a familiar name, uh, also a Butler religion grad like you, uh, had roles in putting this book together and or creating the organization that gives it its title, uh, Fathering Together and uh, Fathering Stories, Volume 1. So I'm interested to also find out whether Volume 2 is already planned or in the works. But tell me about you know how this came about and how it happened that there are two Butler uh, people involved because uh, Nothing makes a nothing makes a professor prouder than you know getting a chance to invite a former student back on podcasts. They put a book together. They're you know so want to hear that part of the story uh, before we dive into some of the the content more. Sure. Yes. Uh, Brian Anderson and I uh, also go way back to Butler days. We lived on the same hall freshman year. Uh, pledge the same fraternity. We were both a uh, religion. Uh, major we were both double major but religion was our um uh, intersection so just a lot of uh you know just a, a very old friendship that goes way back spent a lot of time together um i've stayed in touch uh since our uh, since and then you know as social media became a thing we're able to stay in touch so about two years ago brian and another guy named christopher lewis uh, who was also in higher education administration for many years, um, they began a conversation around uh, being fathers, specifically fathers with daughters, and recognizing, hey, you know, guys don't do as well with talking about emotions and connecting and things like that. So they created a Facebook group called Dads with Daughters just to kind of convene a conversation. And it, uh, my gosh, it blew up. Um, it is the largest dad group on Facebook now with about 125,000 members. Um, and just uh, seeing that explosive growth, uh, the two of them uh, decided to kind of spin it off into a nonprofit called Fathering Together. Uh, we're dedicated to um, creating community among dads, being a safe space to talk about difficult things. And uh, he invited me into the leadership team on that uh, fairly early on, because again, we just had a go a long way back. I have two daughters, just like he does. And just over time, we were having conversations about, you know, what, what can we do? What can we create? And some of the initial conversations were about, you know, um, you know either Lent or Advent devotionals for dads, um, seasons of the Christian liturgical year. Um, and ultimately, we decided on a, a storytelling format, somewhat similar to uh, The Moth on NPR, if, you, uh, if the audience knows about that, or the 10 by 9 shows that are in places like Belfast and Nashville and other places, um, just sort of, you know, short form storytelling of, of just uh, relating 
things that happen and and people connecting over those experiences yeah and you, you're absolutely right that that doesn't you know those conversations don't always happen or uh, at least have have not always happened in the past and you know it's good to hear that you know, there is a, a concerted effort to let them happen more. I think about my own fatherhood experience. Uh, certainly there, there were some conversations, but usually they were after the fact, like, so here's what happened. And you yeah. finally decide to talk to someone else and find out either that it's par for the course or that you know, somebody else had a very different experience, but it still you know, helps you connect. Yeah. And so it was just, you know, so refreshing to get these different uh, stories coming together in this volume. Uh, so why is fatherhood a particularly important topic uh, in the context of our current era, uh, in our day and age? I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities uh, related to the roles of fathers? And how are fathers breaking the mold of traditional assumptions and roles in our culture? Um, I should probably add that uh, I asked that having started recording this podcast a little late because I had to give my son his lunch and remembered that I hadn't taken the washing out of the washing machine. So, uh, <laughs> right. on that note. <laughs> yes. Oh, certainly. I, I think over the last uh, couple decades in American society and probably Western society uh, writ large, there's been a huge shift in understanding of gender roles um, where uh, men or people identify as men identify as fathers uh, have have taken a more active role in um, the the shaping of their children's lives. Um, I'm a, a United Methodist minister, and our whole system of itinerancy, where people move around from church to church, is predicated on the idea of uh, the clergy are all male. And they have spouses that do not have work outside the home. And you can just bounce from parsonage to parsonage. And that is not the case anymore. Um, so that's one of the things that's creating you know, tremendous upheaval in our denomination is, well, you're going to place that as a parsonage or a housing allowance, things like that. Um, and I, I bring that up just to, to indicate the massive cultural shift uh, that we've gone through and how many of our institutions really uh, have not caught up to that or don't know how to deal with that very well. So as, um, uh, as men take that more active role, um, and, you know, there was that movie in their, I guess the early days, Mr. Mom, when the whole concept was kind of funny, uh, that wouldn't be made today. Um, so as, as, as men are experiencing that shift, uh, I, I think in maybe to more healthy balance, it's difficult to process that to know what that's like uh because if you had uh you know fathers and grandfathers you know you're the family was single income they were the sole provider the mother was the sole caregiver well now my life is different than that model of masculinity that i grew up with and i think that's a in some some instances a crisis among men and so convening that conversation i think has been a very important thing yeah and there's so much I think that still needs to be, you know, um, had by way of conversation about some of these things. You know, in some families, roles are simply reversed vis-a-vis, -vis, you know, traditional gender roles. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things are shared. Sometimes both are working and are uh, trying to also raise yeah. children um, or postponing that. And um, when it happens later, that brings a whole other dynamic into it. Right. So as you brought these stories together and these different authors together, uh, what what comes out of the mix? Because I found each one you know interesting on its own, but what were some surprises that resulted 
as the separate contributions you know, all appear, you know, maybe not all at the same time, but uh, in hopefully in pretty close succession, if you had good luck as an editor, uh, yes. you know, uh, in your inbox, and you start assembling them and seeing, wow, there's some interesting commonalities here, or wow, you know, these stories are very different. Uh, anything there that really seemed particularly noteworthy or made an impression on you? Yes, um, the the re the struggle to redefine masculinity, I think, was one of them. Uh, several guys talking about you know being a stay at home dad, um, or even uh, like in my case, just uh, taking a more active role. Um, there were some that that talked about um, sort of cross cultural sorts of things. Uh, there they might be married to a, per a person of a different ethnicity and their children are multiracial and kind of dealing with um, the complications that come with that. Uh, one in particular, um, who, who's, he's an African-American man, he married a white woman, his daughters are, are biracial and, um, and he wrote uh, beautifully about embracing the, the different aspects of their heritage and I think is extremely timely, of course, given what's going on uh, in our country right now, uh, with with the protests and civil unrest and such, um, so yeah, they, yeah, there were a lot of interesting things. But it, as an umbrella, I, I just think great self introspection uh, in in modeling that for other guys uh, that we hope or other fathers we hope will read this and then be invited to do their own sort of self introspection about what are the um, challenges in my life, the, the, the strengths, all those things. Yeah, it, reading, the, reading through the stories had me thinking back to my own experience of um, the birth of my son and, mm. you know, the, the description, uh, in fact, I think it's in your, your chapter that uh, highlights sort of feeling like, you know, wow, what do I, you know, what, if anything, do I have to do with this process now that it's actually unfolding, now that, you know, the, the moment of the right. delivery has arrived. Yes. Um, you know, there are other moments when you feel more involved, you know, but, you know, the dynamics differ from situation to situation, case to case, you know, uh, navigating, you know, interactions with other parents, you know, getting in touch with school officials or teachers, with various mm -hmm. things that we do as parents. Um, or at least one of us does, and sometimes both do. Uh, in some ways, I was most drawn to the stories that I could relate to and resembled mine, just because, you know, even after all these years, it was like, wow, yeah, uh, I, I wasn't going through this alone, even though I didn't maybe realize it at the time. But what do you think we learned from, you know, hearing stories about parenting experiences that are very different from our own? Well, I, you know, I truly hope that, um, that your reaction to that, um, that's, that's what we want. Uh, we want people to see a bit of themselves in some of these stories, and they're very diverse. Uh, we and we really tried very hard to make sure there were uh, not just uh, you know white educated guys like myself and Brian and the others that were part of the team there, but we have uh, somebody who's a, who identifies as Sikh, who's a professor uh, at Union Seminary in New York, uh, African Americans, Hispanic Americans. Um, I think even when we see stories that are very different than our own, we see little nuggets of commonality, of struggle, of deep worry uh, about our children's uh, safety and future. There's uh, one guy who writes in that about um, finding out that his daughter had been killed 
in a very violent way uh, and very recently. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a heart-wrenching story because even those of us haven't gone through that, I, you know, I think, gosh, we live in fear of that because that's parents' worst nightmare. So even if it's an experience uh, different from your own, um, I haven't lost a child in that way. I have not dealt with um, reconciling different racial identities and things like that. And yet I, I found myself seeing nuggets uh, of, of truth that I think relate to pretty much all fathers uh, in those respects. And then there were some that were just like, oh gosh, yes, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, and those are great. Those are both great in their own way because they, they affirm our experiences and they also stretch us to see commonalities in people that are different from ourselves. Yeah, I think the things that we don't go through or haven't gone through yet ourselves are the things we either did worry about or continue to worry about or both yes. um, a lot of the times. Um, but yeah, so one of the, the things that you know, jumps off the page, uh, not quite literally, but almost, is that in addition to stories, uh, you've included some, some comics in there. And one of them uh, was not one that I could relate to, but I knew that uh, my sister and her husband would be able to relate to. Uh, because it compares and contrasts the situation of having one child versus, you know, when a second child comes along. And you know, just, you know, partly because a book that has pictures in it sometimes sells better, and so I want to highlight that, but partly because <laughs> the comics, I think, reinforce the message and the experience of the reader and add something, you know, important to the book, uh, valuable to the book. Uh, how did that come about? Tell me a bit about that, because I know that sometimes you know, even trying to include an illustration or an image, you know, there, there's copyright, there's things you have to contact somebody, get permission, all these things. So how did that contribution to the book in the form of pictures with words uh, come about? Yes, uh, George uh, is an extremely talented artist. Uh, he designed the logo for Fathering Together. Uh, he's part of that community and he has been publishing these comics uh, on his own website has uh, been an illustrator for many, uh, many different things, both in print and web. And uh, kind of like the rest of the writers, we just said, hey, um, here's this project. Would you be willing to contribute? We can't pay you, but uh, we are, we run the largest dad group on Facebook. Uh, you can get some extraordinary exposure uh, to what we're doing here. And so he, he very graciously said, hey, here's all the things I've published pick from these and for the different sections uh, for, you know, birth stories, uh, legacy, embracing fatherhood, uh, things of that nature. We just went through and said, okay, the, the, you know, this one will work for this, this one will work for this. Um, the one about having multiple kids, I also uh, resonated with um, my wife and I, you know, like to say, gosh, when we were first married and didn't have kids, we thought we were so busy. And then when we had one kid, we thought we were so busy. Well, now we have three, so we're outnumbered, which is a whole other experience as well. And we just thought, what, what did we do with all that time? Um, so I, I, I identified with that particular comic. I uh, just thought, just captured that experience really well. Um, yeah, again, in ways uh, hopefully a lot of dads can relate to. Yeah, well, I, I also want to hear about you know, other projects that you uh, have in the works and other things that you've been up to and have been doing or are planning to do, uh, including, of course, the fact that, you know, not every book when it's published includes volume one. Uh, so that seems to <laughs> right. indicate that there is um, 
already a strong indication that uh, there will be at least a volume two. Mm -hmm. uh, but before I ask about you know, what, what else might be happening in the near or distant future, things that you uh, either have begun working on or are planning to, uh, it seems like a good moment to ask, you know, why would Fathering Stories Volume 1 be a perfect Father's Day gift uh, if somebody was inclined to? And of course, if uh, mail and delivery and everything you know, doesn't let us down in this particular moment. Right. Well, it's a it, the the uh, principal format is an ebook, um, simply because this was a self-published thing, and uh, just the um, the infrastructure of getting an ebook to the reader is a lot easier right. uh, than a print book uh, when you're not working with a major publisher. Um, hopefully, it's a good Father's Day gift, uh, just to have uh, an interesting read. Um, relatively brief, uh, I mean, you can digest each of these stories in a couple of minutes, uh, and, and for dads to see a bit of their own experience in these different stories, to be challenged, uh, maybe to, to expand their own thinking and horizons, uh, but storytelling and sharing of relationships and, and the things we go through is, is one of the core values of fathering together, so that is why we put, um, put this uh, energy and time into kind of the first big project we've produced uh, outside of the Facebook community. I was, and for that matter, it's only $1.99. So, you know, that's a very, <laughs> very economical Father's Day present for folks. Yeah. And what I, I, I thought the, the question was a setup to say, you know, for those who forget until Father's Day morning, uh, to get a gift, it, you know, ebooks are yes. something that you can get um, delivered very quickly. And so, there you go, Dad. There you go. <laughs> that's check, check your inbox. There's a gift for you. That's true. Yeah, and yeah, and we and we targeted uh, when we decided we were going to do this. Um, probably, I guess around the end of, of 2019, we targeted Father's Day as a, as a release period to, to put it out on June one and then do a pretty serious marketing blitz, uh, through father's day to, uh, for that very purpose. Cause we, we thought that coincided, uh, well time wise, uh, with the, the subject. So tell me about, uh, plans for volume two or, uh, volume, yes. volume 72, uh, further down the road or, <laughs> or what's, yes. what are you, what, what are you, where is this project going next? Well, we decided to be um, to project confidence uh, in this <laughs> and say, "Hey, this is, again because storytelling is a core value of fathering together." To say, "Hey, this this is really important, uh, not just in a, a book form or ebook form, but but in general for our community for sharing um, experiences." Uh, so that's why we chose to do uh, volume one, but also uh, many of the authors were together. Uh, at an event in Washington, D.C. back in February uh, called the DAD 2.0 Summit. Uh, mm -hmm. That's where we recruited many of them. Uh, a, a number were already on the leadership team of Fathering Together. Um, and at that point, we knew uh, that COVID-19 was happening uh, elsewhere in the world that it would probably be coming to the United States. Obviously, we did not know that it would shut the world down the way it did. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of our writers, Tim Cox, um, who's part of the leadership team as well, wrote about uh, the birth of his son uh, just a couple weeks ago, or probably two months now, I guess, um, when 
COVID-19 was in you know, full-blown mode and hospitals were taking extraordinarily different measures uh, to protect people, even having different wings of the hospital. And he, he had a daughter already. Uh, he had a son and he wrote about contrasting his experiences there. And even um, he lives in Pennsylvania, but he's close to New York and New York hospitals were not even letting support people into delivery rooms for a while. And his worry about that, and it was, his experience was there was really captivating. And so I and uh, my co-editor, Kyle Ashley, and I uh, are both brainstorming the idea of, you know, in a year, maybe a little more, once, hopefully once this pa uh, uh, crisis has passed, to have a volume of stories about what it was like to parent during this pandemic. Uh, to suddenly be shifting to working at home, for some to be maybe unemployed, uh, all the all the unique stresses that have been put uh, upon families in this really unique era that we're in, uh, we think that could you know Tim's story, I, I truly believe, could just be the tip of the iceberg, uh, and and that that could be an interesting uh, you know snapshot of this really unique uh, time that we're living in. So that's uh, that's one idea we're kicking around, but we're um, really and truly, you know, our hope is that people connect and want to do this more in various respects, whether it's in book form, whether it's in storytelling show form, whether it's online, whatever the case may be. Um, since that's a core value, fathering together, we just uh, we wanted to say, hey, this is um, something we're starting, but we know it's going to roll forward in some form or another. Yeah, well, I hope that as a result of listening to this, not only will people get the book, but we'll also check out, you know, the, the largest fathering group of the sort and, you know, find you on Facebook Please and do. connect that way. Uh, so before we you know, run out of time and uh, have to draw things to a close, we'd love to hear about anything else that you're working on or just, you know, just chat a bit about, you know, how... Yeah. How, you know, what life, ministry, parenting, all these things are like, uh, you know, in the midst of, you know, the things that have been going on in the country at the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I will say uh, storytelling has always uh, been a fascinating thing for me, even before I um, started to enter into, you know, scholarship on religion. Uh, a big part of, you know, why I became a clergy person uh, is cause my love for that. You kind of have to learn to do that if you have to get up and deliver 10 to 15 minutes of original content each week. Mm -hmm. um, when I was doing my uh, doctoral studies at Embry University, I had the opportunity to do a week-long J-term intensive with Luke Johnson, a uh, mm. pre preeminent New Testament scholar, a hero of so many of us, uh, on, on teaching his practice. And we, and we got to read his book, um, Scripture and Decision-Making in the Church, where he really focuses in on the Apostle Peter, and uh, his experience with the, you know, the rooftop vision uh, of, of all the, the unclean animals and, and making that shift uh, in declaring all those foods clean. And in, uh, in the book of Acts, Peter tells that story a couple of times, and it gets thicker each time. Um, so that set off for me the idea of, wait a second, you know, kind of retelling our stories and reflecting on our own experiences can be a vehicle for um, what some of us would call progressive revelation, or just you know learning more about our own experiences and, and, and deepening those. Um, and in my own uh, my own tradition, 
John Wesley, founder of Methodism, had this profound experience at a you know, prayer meeting in, on Aldersgate Street in London. And you, know, you see him write about it in his journal one way, and then the way he reflects on it and tells it, it, it thickens hmm. uh, more. And um, closer to our own time, Thomas Merton, uh, the very famous monk and writer here, uh, not far from here in uh, Kentucky. Uh, he was actually in Louisville downtown on uh, 4th and Walnut, or what is now 4th and Muhammad Ali. Uh, and he had this profound uh, epiphany of, of seeing people shining like the sun and, and realizing he was so deeply interconnected to all people. And the way he writes about that in his journal, they of, is, is one thing. And then the way he tells that in the conjectures of a guilty bystander, uh, it thickens. And so that for, you know, just kind of reflecting on that uh, for me just makes me think, you know, there is inherent uh, value on both theological and personal levels of, of retelling our own stories. And what is, and, and then the act of doing that, what does that teach us about our own lives, our, ourselves, our world, about who God is? Um, that's been rattling around in my brain for quite a while. And, if I had the opportunity to do a doctorate ministry project over again, I would focus on something like that. Um, not, I, I focused on Old Testament stuff and encountering violent text in scripture. Uh, there were just, it was a very worthwhile project, uh, but like any, dissert any dissertation, by the time you're done with it, you hate your subject and <laughs> just want to be done. <laughs> um, so it's... It, yeah, that's been rattling around my mind for, for a while. And so who knows what will become of that. But, uh, um, but that's part of my deep interest in storytelling, in, uh, in people in general, uh, and in you know, finding these sort of spiritual and theological uh, veins running through all of those things that we experience. Yeah, as I think about this as somebody who at least started off in, and uh, despite what you said about one's dissertation uh, keeps coming back to, uh, but uh, <laughs> yes. you know, thinking about you know the many instances you know not just where we maybe see it across you know the Apostle Paul's storytelling, the Apostle Peter's storytelling, different things in the Book of Acts, but as we think about things like the developing gospel tradition, uh, you know I've I've often said that you know while sometimes you know the later versions of things are you know edited and transformed because they're adapting them to apply them to a new context or for whatever reason. Right. But the fact that something is viewed with hindsight, you know, I often emphasize, doesn't mean that the vision is less clear or less focused or less accurate in a sense, right? It might not be how they would have understood it in that moment, but we don't always understand things as well in the moment as we do later. Right. And so, you know, the, the retelling can both, you know, can enrich, I think in every sense of the word, it can, uh, add to and sometimes we liven up our stories or you know, improve them right. as we select certain things sure. to focus on but sometimes the significance of event becomes clearer over time it would be interesting to do some comparison maybe if you if you pursue this to have a conversation across you know a huge region of time and space uh, from history through you know, from the early church through church history to you know some examples of people learning from doing that today is maybe, you know, maybe I'll have to go back and compare some, you know, really, really early blog posts of mine with uh, some later right. ones and versions Longer. of stories about myself that I've told. 
or sermon illustrations people use over and over again. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really do. I mean, fishing stories are what they are and the fish gets bigger each time. Um, <laughs> Grandpa's fishing story aside, I, I do think the truth of certain experiences does become clearer the more distance we have from it, whether some of the facts or details about a story might shift a little bit, um, I think there is a deeper truth that comes from that, that seasoning and letting something age. Yeah, well, Matt, let's, let's end there because it's a perfect note to end on, but let's also promise yes. to follow up uh, and talk about any Absolutely. next projects and maybe some other topics as well uh, at some future point. And let me end by saying thank you for uh, your role in putting this book together. Thank you for being on the podcast to talk about it. And to those who've been listening, thank go you. and get Fathering Stories, Volume 1, whether you get it for your father or you get it as a father, uh, or you just get it because you want to uh, help support fathers in general uh, or think you might be one one day. Uh, it's, it, it really thank does you. have something for everyone because of its variety of contributions. So Matt, thank, thank you, you again. And thanks, to those who've been listening, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And thanks for listening and bye for now. Likewise, thank you so much.